Hey folks, and tonight's episode is brought to you by YesPleaseVintage.com. If you're in the States and a fan of vintage and upcycled housewares and clothing, give YesPleaseVintage.com a check for clothing, jewelry, homeware, and some really awesome finds. So go check them out now at YesPleaseVintage.com. And currently, if you spend over $60, you get free shipping on all orders. Welcome to episode 73 of the Asian Cinema Film Club. I'm your host, as always, Edward Jones, and joining me, of course, is my co-host, the professor, Mr. Stephen Palmer. Hello, everybody. On tonight's episode, we check out Helter Skelter, a psychological thriller, which somehow has been overlooked, no doubt, due to being named after a very popular novel based on everyone's favourite nutbag, Charles Manson. Um, but yeah. before we obviously get into that, it's time to ask what you've been watching. And Stephen, it's a bit of a weird time because obviously, as we record this, we're coming out of Mike Month. Thank you to everyone who supported us for that and hope you enjoyed all the Mike recaps. We're into Halloween, so for myself, it's another 30 days of viewing. Uh, but what's been holding your interest? Well, so this week, you'll be glad to know I've only got one thing. <laughs> you've been watching the squid game like everyone else then. i haven't been watching the squid game or oh, interestingly my daughter one of my daughters wrote to me today and said have you seen the squid game yeah and i said nothing i went and looked up what earth she was talking about and then realized she was talking about some new korean drama that's on netflix um that appeared to have the same plot as as, as the god's will it is really essentially isn't it so <laughs> and, and and then I said, but then I saw that people were loving it, and so I I, I was actually thinking about watching an episode of it tonight, yeah. but I watched Ted Lasso instead, which is way to stay on way brand. Better. And um, but I, I think I will I will check it out, um, if only because I did a bit of digging around, and the, uh, the 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 man who bought the Squid Game to to the screen is absolutely insistent. He wasn't inspired by As the Gods Will and is digging out examples of how he had this idea in 2008. Yeah. Still ignoring the fact that As the Gods Will is based on a manga. So when the film came out, it's somewhat irrelevant. (laughs) Okay, it doesn't matter. I'm just excited that my daughter, my who is not without, you know, she she will go and watch something with a with a with subtitles but you know she was asking an old man oh there's this korean thing have you seen this in fact it's not the first time she's asked it's um but obviously it, the most important thing is it's on netflix i guess and that um that it's something that's being pushed pushed that way i don't think it's a very traditional korean drama but um i'll, I'll check it out i don't know if you've seen it at all i haven't i would like yourself i was hoping to watch it before i came on air tonight but you know it didn't happen unfortunately so um sorry guys well, hopefully, when we can, when we've got our next episode, we'll have some opinions on. Squid I, Game, I so. think, I think I will certainly be checking an episode of it out, and if I like it, I'll watch the whole thing. It's only like nine episodes, or something, something like that. But it's it is great, though. I mean, it's obviously caught the attention of everyone, and it fall, Well, we're obviously very quick to say, oh, it's like as the gods will. It's really falling into that sort of subcategory of of dramas that we've seen a lot of recently, especially in terms of the. Um, the Asian output, uh, like we had um, Alice in Wonderland, uh, which came out before it as well, which was another of these arena of death 
um, style program. So yeah, was that the that was one felt I watched the first I watched the first half of the first episode. That was a Japanese thing, wasn't it? Yeah, it's on it Korean. I it might have been Korean as well, actually. I want to say it's um, Japanese just because I remember I've watched like the opening of it and then I got called away to deal with something else. And I unfortunately haven't had a chance to return to it, but I know that. Um, over on uh, Man I Love Film, Man I Love Fun, uh, the MILF cast, mm-hmm. they were saying about how much they really love it. Kai was really sort of selling it up, and that's why I sort of wanted to check it out. But again, another acquisition by Netflix, so well done them. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, no, it's, it was something, I, yeah. I, it, again, there's, there's a lot of good stuff on Netflix if you're an Asian cinema fan. You know, it it's an Asian drama fan as well as a lot of Taiwanese dramas and things on there. The problem is they become we could easily become a K-drama podcast mate and we'd go down a completely different rabbit hole it is, it is hard, they are quite um, you know it's not like watching EastEnders and you, you could literally miss it for 20 years and come back <laughs> and half the same people are there and it's um yeah, there's, there's, there's a certain way of viewing it. Anyway, didn't haven't watched the Squid Game yet, although you know, next episode you can't come watch. You haven't. I I'm having a little bit of a tidy up, a very very slow tidy up. Um, looking through my DVDs and Blu-rays and and trying to sort of watch the odd one, maybe things that I've bought and never watched. I'm quite guilty of that, or things that I'd forgotten I'd ever bought. Um, and with with um, October close by. I I um I picked up a DVD which I'd forgotten I bought, a UK DVD from Optimumasia, a, a brand I always forget about. Um, called The Dole Master. Oh right. Um, with uh, and you and you're like this because the little quote at the top on the back is "Nasty Fun" by Kim Newman. Um, <laughs> ah, my mentor. <laughs> yeah, well, I thought I thought I thought you'd like that. However, what I would say is, mm, would like to know the words that went around that. <laughs> I think there's I think there's potentially several words that um that probably damn it faint phrase. I know it's um I I I remember getting this again. It's in these it's in these times where lots of Korean and Japanese horror movies were being released over here in the wake of the success of Audition. You know, the, the story that we've told a million times before. And there's things like Death Bell and this and um, Mui Portrait of something or other. I can't remember what it's called now. Um, the, the Hansel and Gretel was another one so just these these films from 2000 through to sort of 2008 something like that the isle by kim ki duk i remember came out under that banner even though it's not really a horror movie um and they all got over and they're really quite bare bones releases and you know you wouldn't even know this was korean to look at it yeah other than the strange picture on the front cover um Although the Korean covers even more bizarre. That's weird you say it's Korean. So I was I was sure it was a Japanese uh, release mainly because when it came out, everyone was sort of focused on the amount of like long-haired dolls. Yeah, no, no, it's um, yeah, it, in Hongxia is the is is the Korean name of it. Yeah, it's it's very much a Korean film oh, in right. Korean with Korean people. But I I get you, absolutely. Um, it it sounds like a Japanese thing. It's 
it's riffing on the whole Sadako long hair yeah, yeah. ghost girl thing. Although it's not really. Anyway, <laughs> so in short, a bunch of strangers are invited to a house. This house is run by a brother and sister who basically create life-size dolls. So these five people, four or five people have been invited so they can be the models for the next dolls they make. Um, and dolls are a thing, aren't they? Dolls are one of these sort of horror staples which, you know, from House of Wax to... Uh, God, what's that one with ventriloquist dummies to all sorts of things? You know, yeah, I know. Dolls are a, are a, are a sort of a, a sub-trope. Um, although Chucky's kind of sort of taken over the whole thing now. <laughs> yeah, Chucky was always sort of like the high watermark for it, although when you watch the Dollmaster, I would say that you can kind of watch uh, Stuart Gordon's dolls and have the same thing but done better, which is not to really discredit this film because it is actually pretty generally creepy. It's just not as action-packed yeah, as you would think. It's, 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 it's fine. It's got a whole bunch of people in that you wouldn't recognise, directed by somebody who barely ever made another film again, um, that basically gives away what's going on in the opening pre credit sequence and then spends quite a long time getting to the end. On the way, there's some really nice moments. I mean, dolls are kind of, life-size dolls especially, and people, you know, there's a character in there who loves her doll so much that she, um, you know, she basically treats it like a small child and takes it everywhere with her and, and, and emotes to it all the time. And that's kind of creepy. And we've all, in the past, met somebody like that. Maybe not as grown-ups, but certainly there was somebody at school who'd had a doll or a blanket or something that they they kind of anthropomorphised. And you think, oh, yeah, what would happen in 20 years if they still had that? Um, <laughs> be a biohazard. That's what it would yeah, happen. Yeah, there you go. Pig pen. What happened when Pigpen grew up? Yeah. Oh but my there's... god, that's so, tri- that's so disgusting. <laughs> no, I was just thinking like <laughs> because normally the kids who have these things, it's normally encrusted with God knows what because the parents can never wash it. Mm. Because yeah, no. Oh god, the <laughs> youngest daughter who's already been mentioned this episode also had something she called her Mimi, which was a which was a rag, and my sister had one as well. But they 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 do grow out of it anyway. There's that. There is some creepy doll work going on, which apparently is from some famous Korean doll maker, and and there is some nice camera angles and stuff. It's it's absolutely fine. It's just a film. Yeah, 2004, right smack bang in the middle of when I was expecting it to come out. That somehow got a release over here. There's a whole host of these these. If I say second rate, I don't want that to sound like that they're shit. Um. That's not what I mean. I just mean they're not very Taylor two cash-ins. sisters. Yeah, they're just they're just in a in a in a world without um, the J horror boom. These films, no one would ever watch have watched them. No one outside of Korea would ever talk about them, and and they wouldn't be artifacts that would come to later in time. Mm. Um, but it's. You know, a bit like we were talking about Squid Game. I'm I'm fascinated that it even got out over here. I can't even. I don't remember buying it. Somebody would have told me it has got like a making of documentary and deleted scenes. So it's a it's a pretty full featured um, DVD that I don't even remember buying. <laughs> but it was alright. It was fine. Um, you know, if I was ever to do an Asian horror month, like like people do i'd put that in there because it's 
it's fine. It ticks all the right boxes. It's got a decent amount of creepiness. There's a suicide. It, you know, there's all. It just, it just, it's, it's Korean horror by the numbers, frankly, um, which is fine because there's much worse. I lead you, ladies and gentlemen, to the Cat, a film about that's so bad it steals the ending of Dark Water. Which <laughs> doesn't mean Dark Water was bad. It just means why would you steal literally the same ending? So yeah, what about yourself? Have you watched anything? I was just uh, getting over the fact you watched the Dormasters taking me back. It's been a while since I saw it, and I just remember being really creeped out by that movie because there's a couple of scenes in particular. There's a doll hiding in the back of a car, and there's a, another one that sort of creeps up behind someone and gets them. And because they're, they're like slow, creepy dolls, they're not like mm. Chucky or, or like I said, Stuart Gordon's dolls where they're just like bombing around the place. Um, I mean... There's, there's, there, there is a bit in it where there's a guy's hiding in a closet in one of those big walk-in closets, and the arms sort of creep round behind him from a doll. And you know, again, we saw it in the eye, yeah, in the lift. It's it's almost the same scene with the same sound effects and things like that. But it's it's, it's yeah, maybe I've just become old and immune to these kind of slow. Asian horror movies, which is a bit sad, really, because that used to be what I loved about them. But yeah, it's 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 fine. It's a solid six out of ten. You know, if I was Kim Newman, I'd call it nasty fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but it, you're right. There's some moments. There are there are certainly some moments in it, but I think it's quite telling that nobody involved in this film really amounted to much afterwards. Come cool. uh, for myself. I dabbled in the first few episodes of My Hero Academia. Just to see what the fuss is about, because it's obviously the anime at the moment. Um, so everyone's uh, all they want to know, uh, really sort of push at the moment, is uh, My Hero Academia. It's up there. You got this, and you got Demon Slayer. Um, I think Attack on Titan's still there as well, but that's sort of coming to its close. But no, My Hero Academia is really sort of fun, really fu- fun, accessible. It's in a world where eighty percent of the population have superpowers, or as they're known, quirks. And, you know, these can range really from like, you know, Superman style levels or you can just be like particularly good at organizing. It really varies. And if you want to go off and be a professional hero, you go off to the, you know, the Heroes Academia. And the series follows um, this young boy called Azuki who idolizes superheroes he keeps a little journal where he's like documenting the powers of different superheroes and his hero is the superhero all might who's kind of like um homelander he's kind of like superman he's sort of like you know the ultimate superhero and he basically you know reaching gets rescued by all might in um who rescues him from this slime villain and he like appeals to him and over bright it turns out has got the quirk of all for one which means he's able to pass his power on and it seems that he's the latest over might is sort of like in a line of these uh heroes who've had this power passed on to him so from where i've got to he's now started his uh his training so he's got him like cleaning beaches you know he's got to earn his um and his quirk but it's a fun little series and it does fun things with the superhero genre much like the boys did but obviously not to such grotesque uh stances um the opening scene has like um like a giant rat man villain being t- beaten up by like a colossal woman 
who, of course, when she bends over is rather revealing. So you have all these pervert photographers snapping photos. But um, the old, um, yeah, the old fans. <laughs> yeah, it's so like it's so like I thought this was for kids. Apparently not. But uh, no, it's uh, it's fun. It's really accessible. It's not one of these animes where it's all like um, abstract and drags out. So I'm interested to see where this goes because I've got that, and I'm still obviously watching Food Wars as and when Netflix choose to add the series over. I mean, I could obviously watch it on Crunchyroll, but I just don't need another subscription in my life right now. Because what you're not telling me is, I, I heard of My Hero Academia. Yeah. Actually, I thought I'm 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 actually surprised it only um. How it, it came out 2016, it started. So there's only five series to follow, <laughs> 117 episodes. So you've got a chance of this one, unlike some of the other shows that you're following that I don't think you're ever going to catch up on. Uh, well, oh. Dragon Ball is still, still happening. Um, <coughs> so yeah, that's I've got Dragon Ball, and I've got Dragon Ball Super sort of running parallel to each other, and then One Piece is just happening. Um, mm. <laughs> I'm going to wait for them to... I'm still... Once they stop making them, then I've got a chance of, like, knowing how far this journey's going to be. But there's people out there who've, like, said that they've read every single chapter of the manga and are, like, mm. writing big articles on it. I know Grant over at Blade Look and Fees read the whole of uh, One Piece because he's doing their coverage over uh, at the Anime News Network, so... Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, My Hero Academia, I mean, it looks... I'm looking at looking at some visuals. It is exactly the kind of manga that turns me off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know the big eyes that are oh, I don't and the gigantic mouths and but on the other hand, it does look quite charming and it is quite I quite like the um I quite like the trope of the, the school for superheroes. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like Sky High. Yeah, Sky High. That's that's another one that that was that was like this. So I, you know, if I I might I might fall over. It's nice to know people have moved on from One Punch Man, which was all the young, all the younger people I know that watch this kind of stuff was watching before. So One Punch Man moved on. It's great. It's also shorter. Just this right. idea of a superhero is just like so overpowered. It just takes one punch and he defeats everyone. But he's just like really. Uh, he just just he's just really abstract about it. But no, there's. I think One Punch Man's really good, and that's on Netflix as well. Same as My Hero Academia, so you can stumble across it when you know you're looking for other shows to not watch. Other shows to start watching, <laughs> and then and then and then Netflix will be very insistent on trying to push it at me. No, it's fine. Obviously, you're one of the young people that I know, so you know. <laughs> yeah, one of the young people I know. <laughs> it's nice to know that you're in sync with them. So. I, I I may check it out. I just I have to say the art style doesn't appeal, but that's okay. That's no reason not to try something. Well, this is something to make you feel a little nostalgic. I was listening to an old episode of Kissing Contest, and they were like going through the Netflix lineup um, that had just been announced, and it was sixteen shows. And we compare this to like the hundred plus shows and movies that they've just had to hold the YouTube show to do the announcements for. Um, including the reveal of the Cowboy Bebop opening trailer, opening uh, credits. Oh, the live action one. Yeah. As um, has has Matey Boy got well again to continue on? Yeah, I believe that they're they're wrapped up. The it's got a real Scott Pilgrim look to it. The where they've done these opening credits. 
cool. I'll, 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 I'll be checking that. But you know, it's even in the lifetime of our show, mate. If you remember, you know, we we talked at length maybe three or four years ago. Uh, oh, isn't it interesting? One or two K uh, K dramas are coming on, and a couple of subtitled films are on. And now, oh yeah, because I remember we were like saying that <laughs> with the anime, they had an anime section. It was like four titles. Mm. Um, and then all of a sudden, they just like they you had like Devilman Crybaby, and it just erupted like yeah. out there. So, in, in in dramas, in manga, mm. not in manga, in sort of in anime, it's I you I don't you know I keep my Netflix now because it gives me quite a lot of world cinema stuff. There's loads of fantastic Spanish stuff on there as well. If people you know are a bit tired of american and british stuff um what do they call friends in in um mexico amigos yeah so when you watch friends in in mexico is it amigos i assume so (laughs) there there you go there's a project for next episode (laughs) since you're watching spanish dramas oh yeah i I mean literally oh there's some fantastic spanish dramas i was gonna i was like there's a fantastic one about this these group of people who basically time travel and fix history and i just wasn't expecting so it was like oh it's fantastic i definitely recommend that i was well into that from it didn't, didn't never finished it yeah but uh, well they've made yeah, I, um, I, 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 crimson rivers into a into like a series now have they yeah okay cool 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 that's french and but it's yeah, nothing yeah, no, to do with but yeah, but there's but there's a load of excellent French drama on those. Just well, just world cinema in general is there's a lot of it, and I really get quite excited when I see the the, the Thai one I was telling you about, the Girl from Nowhere. You know, when it says number eight in UK trending, I just think, wow, we have that sort of reach. And in other news, why aren't you all listening to our show? <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, it's just it's just really cool because I I you know I remember. I used to watch, you know, the way I used to have to go and watch some Korean dramas was to find some little funny little fan website run by an individual who literally was taping them off Filipino TV and uploading them as .mov files and 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 now it's just there to hand and then during, you know, during the human malware explosion, I think people have found these things and it's 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 pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah, I remember those days of tape trading and you uh, the legendary uh, Miami Mike episode of uh, Dragon Ball because they used mm. to put like the little cards. You know, whenever you got pirate anything, you'd have like the little pirate cards. Mm. And um, <laughs> someone put like it was like uh, to Miami Mike, you know what you did, and it was for like <laughs> years. It was like this big mystery. It was like, what did Miami Mike do? And <laughs> Uh, Usamimi over on uh, the Anime Nostalgia podcast uh, she finally tracked down someone who was able to explain what the hell that car was about <laughs> oh, there we go mystery solved sorry mystery solved I know you know just hope next time you don't have to run so much <laughs> uh, anything else you want to talk about I don't think so yeah look just a little watch from me this week. Cool. But more to come. Right. Uh, on that note, we're going to uh, fire the projector now and turn to our feature presentation for tonight as we check out Helter Skelter from 2012. 
So tonight we're looking at Helter Skelter from 2012, uh, directed by uh, Mika Ningua, uh, which is interesting because it's a female director directing a Japanese movie, which there aren't a huge amount of female directors in in Asian cinema in general, really, I would say. I So we, I tried to do a little bit of preparation for this because I thought, well... I'll, I'll, I'll just use Wikipedia, and and you can you can go and drill down to Japanese directors female. It came up with a grand total of forty one names. But when you dug a bit deeper, it turned out that a lot of them were anime directors, which does not denigrate the the world of anime. It's just it, it, I think it's a different skill, isn't it, directing. And animation than directing live action and basically we were down to a handful of people who had directed a handful of movies a couple of them you know maybe had been back like back in the 60s big big actresses and had had, had the opportunity to direct a couple of films um production's a bit different because obviously they've, they've made their money and they invest back in cinema but actually women who are given the opportunity to direct live action films in japan is it's like four people um and one of them's the the, the, the lady who directed tonight's film and, and she's only directed i think four um full-on films and then you and, and as you rightly say you expand it out across asia and you know you've got an hui who obviously big art house popular well, not just Art House, she's done some mainstream stuff as well, but Anne Hui from, uh, I can't remember if she's Hong Kong or mainland China, probably mainland China who lives in Hong Kong, probably. Um, and, yeah, and then I'm struggling. There's a couple of Korean ladies who, who've made one or two films, the, the lady that directed um, uh, Princess Aurora. So there's a, there's a few Koreans, but, you know, when you think... You know, we, we, we talk a lot here in the West, don't we, about the lack of opportunity and how few female directors win Oscars. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know that I'm involved in, in some some other podcast that, which is very interested in this. But you look in in Japan, and it's it's shocking. the The power of the of the female is is still so small. And you know, I, I noticed. Um, they're having they're, they're going through another prime ministerial election process at the moment, aren't they? And and, and again, it was it, the main front one was two grey-haired old guys. There are a couple <laughs> of female faces in there, but one of them it seems to be the Japanese Pretty Patel, which yeah, and the other one <laughs> the other one seemed quite a reasonable person, but would never have a chance, you know. And you just, it just it just feels like there's still the glass ceiling in Japan appears to be much lower. Than, than than most other countries or most other uh, most other what, uh, what I'd call sort of developed nations anyway. Yeah, because I mean we've had a couple of uh, of these female directors who've made films and they come over to make films in like the Hollywood system, such as like Kathy Yan who did Dead Pigs and then went on to do Birds of Prey. We had Lulu Wang who did The Farewell, and we also got uh, Chloe Zhao 
won the Oscar, indeed, didn't she? Yes. Um, um, who did that film, which I've yet to watch? Nomadland. Yeah. Is it any good? I haven't seen it. I heard, it, I'm heard it's excellent. I've heard other things she's done is excellent. I really haven't. Um, <laughs> if we had an opportunity to interview her, that was an opportunity missed, wasn't it? <laughs> she won the Oscar. Um, but yeah, so so in, in, interesting. Although I think I think all three of them have a link to the US. So quite often, Chinese, obviously, Chinese people on the whole. Um, sort of the rich, the rich, the richer Chinese people do tend to go and do their further education in the West. Mm. So I think all three of them went to like American film schools or something like that. So they they were able to jump into the machinery that way. Even though I think they're all okay. the the lady who did um, the Harley Quinn movie. I mean, she went from that was just bizarre. <laughs> How she went from the film she was making to that movie but um it is an interesting jump and i mean it, at the same time you look at but then you look at some of the other directors like uh the director of safety not guaranteed um who went on to direct jurassic world um oh, uh, colin travelo yeah yeah so and it breaks it breaks a question where you were having like a lot of criticism from like these directors who like making real sort of interesting sort of like artsy movies. As I said, like when you do a movie like Dead Pigs and then you go off and do like um, the Harley Quinn movie, and yeah, they people... can't remember its full name. Yeah, oh, it was Harley <laughs> Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey, the fabulous emancipation of of Harley Quinn. It went, no, it's Birds of Prey, the fabulous emancipation of Harley Quinn. There we go. We can't we can't say it. Yes, I, think, I knew what the words were. Didn't... It's just, just Andre Previn style, not necessarily and, in the right order. Yeah, and even um, like Chloe Zhao, I mean, she's going to have to do the Eternals. Yeah. Now, to be fair to Marvel, I I know there is a huge a lot of people love Marvel movies. Yeah, the, the the box office numbers say that, and I but I know there is also a a, a Martin <laughs> Scorsese sized group of people that don't like them. But if you look at the people who directed, especially those early films, Marvel Studios give interesting people the opportunity to direct films. You know, who who would have thought of even someone like James Gunn? Yeah, it was was hiding away in Tromaville and gets to direct some of the most money making films of all time. Kenneth Branagh directed the first Thor film. We forget that. Yeah. You know, a British, a British thesp who had directed movies before, but um, no one had gone to see them. Yeah, but this is the thing: you're you're citing all these people in like the pre-Disney years, back when it was like a gamble for Marvel to be making a movie like Iron Man, and that's why you had like um, <laughs> you had um, Robert Downey Jr. who was like the outside shot, but also cheap, um, hmm. and it, this is uh, the thing, and now. Obviously, at the moment, uh, Disney are in the process of suing the creators for the rights to all their uh, characters, which is always mm. a really nice way to treat mm. people. Yes, obviously, obviously, the, Dis- the, the, the Disney daddy will make a difference, but I still, I still think Marvel. I just still think the Marvel movies do make interesting. Directorial. Anyway, we've um, completely gone off track from this 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 film, who's done by an incredibly talented Japanese um, filmmaker and photographer. Um, this is the second film of hers I've seen, um, and it it was a half rewatch for me. Um, but yeah, it's it, it. The other thing about this is is that it's just a thing of beauty. 
and so many Japanese films that we watch, especially from the sort of two thousands, are so grey and washed out. And whilst there are, you know, we you know we will be able to point to examples of oh, but this film's colourful, that film's colourful. Um, on the whole, it's not like and this is just an explosion of noise and colour. And you can tell that that that, that she's um she's a photographer. Yes, every she... scene. Every scene is composed and coloured beautifully. There's there's a fantastic scene. Um, I, I know you, you'll talk about the plot in a minute. I know, <laughs> but, but there's just this fantastic scene where the lead character is having sex with her boyfriend in a in a sort of a a changing room with big mirrors, and basically the whole room is just mirrors reflected upon mirrors, and. I know you're meant to be excited by the sex, but I was excited by how is she not showing the camera? <laughs> and of course, it's because the way the mirrors work, only a quarter of the room's really on display, but it just looks amazing. And it's this kind of visual interest stuff, which you just don't get a lot of in a lot of Japanese cinema. It's modern Japanese cinema for sure. So I, I loved it. Anyway. Should we go back to the beginning? Yeah, I mean, Mika uh, Ninagawa is a photographer first and a director second. If you're familiar with any of her photography works, it's very colourful work. It's all based around, you know, flowers, goldfish, landscapes. And so it really plays into this film. When we look at this film, it is as, you know, beautiful. It's this beautiful, colourful movie. And I have to say that this is like a film, not to like just blow, blow the, uh, the whole review here, but when I saw this film, I mean, this shot straight into my like top first time watches of the year. I don't know if Stephen feels the same, and we'll soon find out in a minute when he comes to stomp all over my enthusiasm for this movie, no <laughs> doubt. But the film itself is, as we said already, it's a psychological horror, and it's based on a manga um, written by uh, Kyoko Okazaki. And I don't. Another woman? Is it? Yep, yep. And uh, feet and that sort of feet. So yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of girl power in this in this episode. It would make sense um, the way that this this film's written. It's a it is a very a lot about empowered females. Um, mm. That's an awful way to put it, isn't it? Empowered women. It is. I hate when people go, "Oh, a damn female," and it's like, oh, for Christ's sake, you just turned into Gollum, didn't you? <laughs> um, but yeah, we follow. <laughs> Uh, Ririko, who's a top model, she's just recently undergone a number of cosmetic surgeries and is now the talk of the town. She's the number one model and the one who everybody wants to cast in their shows. They want her to appear in their TV programs and to advertise their products. She is everywhere and we <coughs> see from the crazed Japanese schoolgirls who are just like absolutely going nuts and buying the fashion magazine she's with. She is top of the pile. She is untouchable. And as such, she is very well aware of like the power that she has over people. So we see her, she sleeps with producers so that she can ensure she gets the best parts and maximum close-ups. She has, an a she has an agent and an assistant who just absolutely dote over her and give in to her, like, her every whim. And she just is very sort of set on being like the center of attention. Unfortunately, when a new model appears on the scene, it sort of shifts her off the top spot and starts her downward spiral into a 
psychotic-like state as her world slowly crumbles around her. And it's this journey into madness that uh, we get to be a part of as we follow this very Black Swan-esque tale, which in turn can be compared to, obviously, its inspiration, Perfect Blue, uh, while at the same time being packed with its own originality. But right from the start, this is just a very visually arresting movie, and just throughout it just sort of grabs hold of you and refuses to let go. Much like our main character, Stephen. So what I what I found interesting was you called her Ririko, and in my version of the film she's called Lilico. She is <laughs> called um, yeah, she is called <laughs> Lilico, isn't she? When um... but no, it's 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 it seems to be interchangeable because um, the detective's it... really obsessed with her. Yeah, and his oh, so... partner's like, yeah, you... why are you so obsessed with Lilico? And he's mm. he's like. Ah, oh, she's like a she's like a fresh fruit, but rotten on the inside. <laughs> so yes, alongside her, you know, we 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 join the, the the film at the height of her powers. She is the superstar to end all superstars. Mm, we get she, to witness the unveiling of her, don't we? Because uh, she's wrapped in bandages, and then we get to see everything. <laughs> we get to see quite we get to see quite a lot of of breast material is is, is there's a lot of boobs on this and film, bums most of them. and bums and also you get to see you know film sex where the woman is naked and the man has just just unzip his trousers which i can promise you would not be very pleasant really um for anybody um anyway where, where are we going with this i don't know um, i'm just letting you uh, where go. am i going with this so so but not only do we see that the, the the rise and fall of this of this supermodel, what we also alongside there is a, a police investigation that's going on. Um, with a, I don't I don't recognise the the lead policeman. I didn't recognise him, but um, people who are big fans of Japanese cinema will recognise An Suzuki as his um, sidekick, which is a really interesting role for her as as sort of a. I mean, she's another one of these super beautiful women, but they've, they've hidden her behind glasses and, and frumpy outfits for some reason, even though she probably was 10 years ago one of these super beautiful, super model, not super model characters, but sort of super attractive Japanese actresses that seem to be in everything. I think she's in Hannah and Alice and some other things like that. Anyway, and, and, their, and their boss, I recognise him from a million TV shows. I can't remember the name of the character, so I can't tell you what it is. But you know, there is this investigation because the, the, the suggestion is that um, the, surger, the surgical techniques that are done by this shady clinic, when I say shady, you know, it's in bright, shiny, white clinic, but shady practices um is based on babies organs and some gross stuff like that so there's this there's as as well as her her career and the way she treats people there's also this sort of underlying story of this this detect this police investigation into her and those around her which um which, which ends really interestingly as well at the end of the film. Um, things don't things don't go quite to plan, which is interesting in a society which is obsessed about the uh, the success rate of their police force. But yeah, I mean, to me, you, you you've you've nailed it because this is 
this is the story of Black Swan. This is the story of um, you know. I was thinking Perfect Blue all all the way through. Oh yeah. I wish I wish the Perfect Blue live action movie <laughs> had been made by this this director. It's funny. I said the same thing to Team and <laughs> Steph because I sent it over to her. I, I watched this and I was like, you know, I think Steph are really going to kick out this. So I sent her over the the disc for this one. And I was like, this is like Black Swan. So you look for something that someone may have seen to draw comparison to which in turn means it like perfect blue and unlike perfect blues live action this is actually good <laughs> so she got a really rambling note <laughs> attached to the disc when i sent it to her but um yeah the perfect blue movie wasn't good at all was it so it's 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 fine but it's drab and it's gray and it's unimaginative in its execution and you know, no, it's and it's bad. It's a bad film as well. But do you know what I mean? You can make bad films and you can dress them up with interesting camera angles and clever use of color and lighting, and it just had none of it. And you know, you know, we both love Perfect Blue. I mean, most people who've ever seen Perfect Blue love Perfect Blue. And this does feel like a successor to that. Although, you know, I, I know you love this film. And I'm not going to stamp all over it because I like this film as well. Oh, that's I, think good, it's one of the most, I think it's one of the most beautiful films I've seen for a long time. I'd, I'd, basically, I'd half watched it before and the memories of that opening sequence had stuck with me. There's this, there's this amazing opening sequence, which is sort of quite, you know, where you basically just get introduced to the phenomenon um, whilst she's unwrapped. You know, it's, it's 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 quite artsy in some ways, but in other ways, it's just pumping you full of information. So we don't need to have another half hour of here's the rise of of Lilico. Um, it's just all done in an opening sort of five seven minute block, and you're fully up to speed. You know who everybody is. Yeah. You know who she is. You get an idea of her character. You get an idea that that there's there's a police investigation, um, and 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 you know that she's thoroughly unlikable. Which is my problem with the film. My, my problem is, I detest Lilico. In, I never feel sorry for her. I, I, she, she doesn't do anything in this film, which makes me want to like her at all. So having a having an unsympathetic, some unsympathetic protagonist, can put me off. Um, I, I you can point back to um, World of Kanako, which I didn't like for the same reason. <laughs> Um, which I'm thinking, which you you absolutely adored as well. Which I did, I did I really enjoy. Yeah. So, it's... so I think I think what we're seeing is there is a certain type of film that you know, both both those films fantastic, arresting visual films um, with a real kinetic activity. They never slow down, do they? Neither of these films no. slow down. They're both they're both really assaults on the senses. But because I can't find anybody in the film to like. Everybody's repulsive in this film as well. Maybe not as repulsive as World of Kanako, but I, I don't think I like anybody in this movie. They're all horrible. <laughs> but which you don't seem to care. You seem to, you seem to be quite happy wallowing in the filth of the world. It's, it's interesting <laughs> you say that because we obviously mentioned about Graveyard of Honor when we were doing the Mike recaps, mm. and that is a film filled with hideous characters, especially our lead. Now, the only way I can. Ass- sort of like say why i enjoyed those movies and it's just the journey into this dark sort of side of humanity that is so interesting and i mean world of kanaka we have this this detective story where we're uncovering this darker sub belly 
that uh, she's obviously attached to. And it's like, as you're going f- further in it, you're finding just how bad, how far down this rabbit hole goes. And the thing I love about this this movie as well is the fact that you're watching someone get knocked off their pedestal. She's got every, she's got the world at her feet, and then it's all pretty much gone in an instant. And the film does this really great job where it's like in, as in the introduction, it's like showing her adverts, and it's like there's um, an ice pole called Beauty Bar that uh, she's advertising, and we see her new rival who sort of turns up, um, Kozu who uh, turns up and she gets the commercial and you see her doing the commercial and you realize, oh no, she's like losing all these things she has. She's been replaced on the magazine covers. And when we have the shoot where she's like introduced and um, they're being together, you can tell that uh, she's obviously a photographer who's perhaps worked on these sorts of shoots before because it, we felt very much like I was watching America's Day Top Model and Tara Banks was like, you know, if you're working on a girl, you got to like push yourself in front of her. you got to be the star. Mm. The other person is a prop. And we see this with these two girls who are like battling to be like the center. And she's like, when the cover comes up with them both, it's like, she's too much in my space. I should be the center and she should be like to the side. And the fact that the film also keeps the real sort of like delusional elements solely to her. So we keep all the weird moments. Like we, she starts seeing like butterflies. She has a, like this psychotic moment where she thinks her bathtub's like filling up with uh, pill capsules. Mm. Um, as towards the end of the film, she's like completely goes off the, the deep end. But as she slowly starts to unravel, she starts using her sexuality to, corrupt the people closest to her like she corrupts her assistant um by having her um perform cunnilingus on that's her, the word <laughs> and um so she keeps... then calls her a dirty pervert when she's oh yeah she's it's like too close yeah don't get start getting smitten me just because you lick my puss <laughs> yeah again that's not the word my subtitle said but um so what what i th- so you you to me, you again, you've hit the nail on the head. So, so mm. the, the the director, Mika uh, Nina Gawa, is 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 a photographer, although not in in it, she's not a glamour photographer or a, or a fashion photographer. I mean, most of her work, as I understand it, in in photography, has been very much of sort of um, objects and landscapes and things like that. But she has also directed a whole bunch of AKB forty eight videos which are the absolute epitome of that idol culture in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> so um, she must have existed. She must see these, I don't think these dreadfully horrible situations, young girls in these situations where it's, I'm going to say dog eat dog. I don't want people to misunderstand what, what I mean by dog, but these, 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 yeah, it's it. competition. The competition that's going on, the hangers-on, the people that are making money out of this. You know, in in in, in this film, the the lead character, you know, she's got a she's got someone she calls her mama, who's who's like a, a previous model who basically has built Lilico into a version of herself, um, and she's the one who's encouraged her to take to use these uh, these extreme plastic surgery. Um, these extreme plastic surgeries um, who's plying her with drugs who's encouraging her to have sex with the producer like you said you know she, she's she's 
as, as repulsive as, as Lady Co is, there are people around her encouraging her to be who she is. And then and then you've got people like like you said about her assistant who just idolise her, who can't see she's a bitch. Oh yeah, who, the fact that um, she goes and hooks up with her assistant's boyfriend and makes her watch. And then it's sort of like... Mm. The fact that she slept with these two people, they're now under her control. It's sort of like this, uh, these these um, love spells that she sort of casts over people. The people she sleeps with seem to become helpless slaves to her, and she draws them into this plot. Like her supposed fiance goes off with a um, ambassador's daughter, so she arranges to have her have acid thrown in her face, because um, so she removes her rivals in in ever more sort of vindictive ways. And as she lives in this like apartment, which is just basically a shrine to her own ego. There's like photo of herself everywhere. It's all like, it's like a GQ spread in there. But the more she becomes unraveled, the more the apartment starts falling apart. Um, which I just really love. So like when you get to the end and just everything's trashed in the apartment, it's just an absolute dive uh, place. Cause that's basically represented a mental state. So, yeah, and as a director, I mean, she she directs it in a very sort of visual way. It's very much like Gondry or Fincher. It's and I that's I think that's why I like. I mean, it's even like comparable to like the the uh, cinema de look movement and things like Besson. Um, this this obvious where you put in style and over everything else, but at least with this film, she somehow managed to give us a fair amount of substance to go with it as well because. The film is so stunningly shot. I mean, I I can't believe this film is so as under the radar as it is. I would have thought that this would have been a film we more people would have been like talking about, but for some reason it just came out and sort of disappeared. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think I remember last episode I talked about I was talking about um, when I was talking about Tell Two Sisters with James at Eastern Kicks, James Mudge. You know, this was the when I made my statement about Japanese cinema being so grey and flat and lifeless the first thing he said was what about helter skelter you know so the, those of us those of us in this in this world we know about this film and it is it's i mean like i've said it before it to me it's just beautifully kinetic it's just it's not just colorful there's a movement to it there's a drive to it now it is fucking exhausting <laughs> it's, I, again maybe that's that's a little edge i had of it it doesn't really slow down um even you know there's moments you know, even 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 little sub storylines seem to be full of something that's going to happen. There's a sister; she's got a sister who she goes and sees, who's chubby and you know maybe not as attractive as her sister. Yeah. But you know, but the next time we see her at the end of the film, you know, her life's been a whirlwind, and she's had plastic surgery, and she's beautiful now, and and the whole film never pauses to have a look at anything. It just. <laughs> doesn't rush through a crescendo but it's an exhausting journey but a but a but a really good one um it's just yeah i don't know the, 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 to me there's a little bit of heart missing from it but um i don't know now we talk about it i get really excited about mm. it again <laughs> sometimes you uh, it's when you discuss a film that it's something like falls in place like dog tooth was very much the same for me i was sort of like mm-hmm. i was like oh, i don't get this and i i said and discussed it with lackey um and uh, it was sort of like oh now I get it <laughs> now it all makes sense so like you can put out all the pieces but 
I just want to go back to like the surgery that she has because obviously there's the the shady surgery uh, team who are doing the the whatever practices. Mm. And if you don't keep up with your your payments, you end up with black <gasps> marks on yes. you, which made me think of dumplings. It's all like yes. you can always have beauty, but it's at a cost. And when we had dumplings, the side effect was that she started to smell bad. That's right. Yes. Um, it, this idea that you're beautiful on the outside, but you're rotting on the inside seems to I be mean, a recurring theme, really, doesn't it? There are. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I, it's very rare. You know, I, I remember in the old days of the show, we used to say at the end, didn't we? We used to say, any any other films that you think are a bit like this? Anything, you know, where you where you could go to? We've kind of moved out of that. This is a film which is just reeking of that. <laughs> you know, this reminds me of Black Swan. This reminds me of Perfect Blue. You're absolutely right. It's, you know, that, that whole thing about dumplings, that the, the, the youth that you got given from those dumplings was at a cost. The cost was you were doing something pretty fucking disgusting, eating babies and dumplings, one. And secondly... Well, fetuses, not... Not like a baby, not fat bastard from Austin Powers. Well, it, it, you know, it depends if you're in uh, be, it depends if you're in Texas or not at the moment, doesn't it? But yes, um, yes. But there was a, there was that, there was that. Not only was it a, a disgusting thing that was happening, but also you smelt. You know, there was a cost to taking or not taking this medicine. Um, so again, another film, another story. But it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's. I guess it's 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 a trope, isn't it? That that high beauty, without deserving it, may come at a cost. Yeah, I mean, even would you want a Western example? You can look at uh, Death Becomes Us. Yeah. Um, where it's all like you can retain the eternal beauty, but you know, you're essentially just a fragile doll at the end of the day. Mm. Um. I never really got the appeal of that movie. I think it was very oversold. It's incredibly popular still as well. It is. I just I just never I've enjoyed the the sort of gory effects, but it just never sort of like stuck with me as though like, oh, this is a great movie. <laughs> you know what a great movie is? Helter Skelter. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, if I mean, if you enjoyed the visuals, by the way, do I mean, I, I've only seen the only film of of this director I've seen other than this is Sakuran, which is also beautiful, um, sort of a tale of a of a courtesan in a in an older Japan, but also beautiful. Maybe not as um, not as dark, well, <laughs> dark in a different way. I have to ask, what we have the moment where the assistant is supposed to go and slash the her uh, rival with a box cutter but she doesn't for some reason she just uh, she just like basically stirs her down and sort of like you know if you go do what you go do and then i didn't quite follow what's going on and then i got distracted by because this theme park and they've got these ride on pandas and i was kind of distracted with that for a minute and lost where i was (laughs) i can't can't remember either I, i mean i guess she hadn't quite reached the I mean the 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 assistant, the assistant character is an interesting one because she obviously starts off in this thrall and seems to be unaware of what a cowbag she is, and then she's completely seduced by it. But then she is the one also that is the cause of the ultimate downfall. Um, it, it reminds me, <laughs> there's a couple of real world things here that remind that this is reminding me of. Have you heard of the? Um, 
Chinese model actress Angela Baby? No, I haven't. You haven't? Okay. So she she is and was a thing. Um, certainly in the sort of 2010s, maybe just a bit before, a bit after. I mean, she's this really beautiful model actress um, from mainland China, but very popular across the whole sort of Chinese diaspora. And uh, she's acted in some films as well. In fact, she's not, she's not a bad actress, but she's, she's very, very beautiful. But clearly, there's more to her beauty than just being naturally beautiful. And it came out that the photographs of her came out showing her that she didn't always used to look like this. And quite clearly, she's been under the knife a lot of times. And, and it really reminded me of a, certainly an Asian culture where there's, there is these there are these aspirations to beauty there's certain things you need you know the double lid the big eyes the, 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 there's all the, the, the skin the the, the the pale skin there's all these things which which are idealized notions of beauty in asian culture and 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 yeah the, the real story of angela baby is like that um, i mean angela baby survived these stories but it just reminded me of this um and then of course there is the story of our actress herself um it's not quite a dark tale of Asian cinema, but um, do, you, do, you, do you know about Erika Sawajiri? No, I do not. <laughs> okay, so in this film, she's absolutely stunningly beautiful, right? I mean, that's even if you don't like Asian people, you can tell that she is stunningly beautiful. Um, really interesting background. She's um, a hafu, so she's half Japanese and actually half, I want to say, North African. Um can't just remember where her mother was from. Algeria, that's North Africa, isn't it? Yes. Um, so it's quite, you know, speaking of someone who's, you know, my, 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 my cousin has two half Japanese daughters and you know, they're, they're, they're very much, you know, half, half Eurasian in look. So this, this North African Japanese look is very exotic, but Japanese people are not big on half caste. I don't, I want to use a better word than that, but there's, there's nothing because it should be laden with, word people shouldn't use anyway she's obviously risen up above this she's exotic and she's beautiful um she comes from her father was a very rich man um although she didn't i don't think i think he, he died or left when she was very young she's risen up through the the star system she you know she was a she was part of an idol pop group um she's been, you know, she was she was just famous for being pretty. She became a, I can never say this as a, a, a gravia model. Do you know what they are? Basically, pretty women with big boobs, and they have magazines and lots of photos of them in their um, underwear and bikinis. Oh yeah, yeah there's the um, yeah. there's a lot of a lot of female wrestlers who uh, put out those sorts of um, yeah. things. So, so. So, so, so yeah, basically, there's a lot of dirty old men in in japan but it's a thing being a gravier idol is 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 a perfectly valid thing it's not quite as mucky as a porn star but it's getting there um like i say she was an idol then she started acting and and it went really well she she was winning awards for tv acting um she started she had a couple of hit singles as well because you know just her, her career was on the up and up and up and then she got in trouble because she gave a really bad interview when um, 
uh, what was the show called? Closed Note, 2007. So there's a show called, uh, a film called Closed Note, and she was really unhelpful in the whole press junket side of things. And basically, by not saying stuff, slagging off the filmmakers and her fellow cast members. This got people right on her back. Yeah? And she uh, just checking some dates or something yeah at the same time she married this sort of uh this guy this uh, uh, dj producer type and i don't think that that relationship was was quite frowned upon as well so she she went from being a superstar to being quite criticized by japanese society don't worry though gets better <laughs> Helter Skelter, which so she then makes Helter Skelter, and Helter Skelter just feels a bit like she's lived through this this role. Yeah, she's been this person, um, and, and maybe she's just coming out the other side. But oh no, let me tell you about because <laughs> it turned out so her husband, um, Tsuyoshi Takashiro, um, turns out this is all the gossip rags um, that she allowed her husband. So there's a prenuptial agreement, right? Allowed her husband to have affairs with other women, but he would have to pay her a set fee for every woman that he slept with. <laughs> and that whilst they would have sex, any more than five times a month, there'd be a 4,000 yen fee for <laughs> every time after the fifth time each month. Obviously, what the fuck <laughs> is this? I mean, how far away from um, Lilico is she exactly? So there's there's quite a lot of stuff online where you see these sort of TV news anchors and gossip show people, you know, the Japanese version of TMZ going, what the shit is this about? <laughs> she then much more recently got arrested for drug drug holding drugs. Now, we know in Japan um, it's zero tolerance with regards to drugs. Drugs are illegal, whether it be marijuana, cocaine, MDMA, whatever it is. Um <clears throat> even more than it was, you know, remember when um, JC Chan, Jackie Chan's son got caught in, in China and had to do a bit of time. It was, it was bad, but he could recover from it. This is, this is it. You get caught with drugs, you're going to go to prison or you're certainly going to get prosecuted. Um, turns out she, yeah, she'd been doing it for about 20 years. Her whole, her whole sort of adult life, she's been addicted to drugs um, she eventually got an 18 month suspended sentence and she's, she's basically said she's having nothing to do with acting again she's been very contrite about it to be fair um, and admitted you know, that a lot of this is, is her fault but yeah she's not as far away from, from Lilico either up to the point of making Helter Skelter or after it a um, bit, bit of life imitating art um, I, you know, hopefully she's okay but she's um, a really interesting and unusual character the one thing, the reason I brought up the fact that she was sort of half Algerian is I do wonder if the Japanese press and the gossip rags have been unduly unfair on her because she's not pure Japanese. Um, I didn't have enough time to really investigate it any more deeply. And, but yeah, I, I suspect there's a piece of that. I suspect some of those stories I've just told you, salacious details, seems a bit, really? <laughs> you'd put that in a prenuptial agreement is this something they're making up but yeah she's interesting isn't she she's um yeah she's 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 a, she's a character that we will now remember as the girl that charged her husband <laughs> for sex 
And it's probably still not the worst thing that happens in this movie. And it's not the worst thing that happens in this movie, for sure. Mm. Um, I'm trying to remember anything else that we talked about. Yeah, I mean, we obviously could draw the comparisons to Black Swan with this one. And I don't think this film doesn't, for myself at least, it didn't go as hard as Black Swan was. So it's not as an, it's an exhausting experience as, uh, as that one is. And I think it's probably because we're watching it from the side of the manipulator. And then it's like, what happens when the manipulator stops getting her way? Um, that things get interesting and we have that uh, really great meltdown sequence where she's like on um, that Japanese sort of like entertainment show and she's mm. being presented the cake by those uh, two members of Bandmaid and uh, just has an absolute freak out which is uh, fun it's, it, the, when the, clo- the more down into a spiral she goes the more interesting the film definitely becomes it's an mm, individual sure. side of thing anyway so she goes full Betty Blue eventually. You <laughs> expect people to get that reference because it's not on the poster. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, please, please, please write in and tell me what the reference is. But, yeah, I mean, Black Swan to me is a slightly different story. You know, that's a story about somebody who's mentally ill and who's being pushed by an industry too far and she she couldn't handle it but there are you know there are obviously a similarities here especially with the introduction of the of the second um the second model and what i actually found most interesting is and i guess you know it's 2012 i think nine year old movies we can um we can spoil is is at the end of it all when all said and done nothing changes you know we 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 meet everybody some months later on another photo shoot which i assume is in thailand not mexico like the wikipedia page says <laughs> because it's thai writing everywhere and basically the same people are involved with another model with the model shoot with the replacement model and they're in thailand they go out and you know so, so, so everyone's survived or well, most people have survived they're still doing the same job they're doing the same thing nothing's changed you know the 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 even Lilico herself, you know, the, the, we see that the police, they've got in a load of trouble because they got accused of leaking all this information when they didn't. But we see that, you know, so, someone's writing the book of Lilico. Someone's still making money out of her, even though she's, she's, she's her, her, her career is over. Anyway, they're in this, um, this bar in Thailand where stuff happens <laughs> I, I, I get a feeling like, like the famous donkey show I guess in, in Tijuana or something isn't it that's the it's what it's what it's getting at and um yeah and we meet Lily again Lily is still active she just wears an eye patch now and you know she's you can see that you know, the skin the skin is beginning to go it, it doesn't go very far does it with the whole it, it just turns out like a bit of bruising, like a bit of black. I think because she covers it with makeup. Um, mm, maybe this is, and compared to the other girl that we see, who's got like the black blotches all over her. Yeah. And um, fortunately for for Lilico, I mean it's mainly under a fringe. So there's um and there's constant like talk of like you know the makeup that's being used is like top of the line, so she's able to cover for these things. So yeah. I just I don't know, I, I'd like I'd like to have seen I'd like to have seen gone full poltergeist and seen a 
it's a cheek drop off. <laughs> I think that's right. But yes, it, but it is interesting that it's quite negative at the end. You know that that we go through all this, all this journey. People get hurt, people die, people terrible things happen to people. People do terrible things to other people, and at the end of the day, nothing's changed. And that's 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 probably the scariest thing of all. That's the most damning thing this film's got to say. It's the industry, indeed. Um, the world just turns. Anything else you want to talk about this one? I don't think so. No, I mean, I, 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 I have some problems with this movie, but it's beautiful. It's really great watch. It's a really good story. It's really well acted. There's a bit of life imitating art, which you know always entertains me. Hmm. And I'm really glad you enjoyed it. Um, I was a bit surprised when you picked it. It felt like a Stephen pick rather than an Elwood pick. I think but, um, it's. I think it when I was. I'm sure it was when I was like doing research for the farewell over on Movies and Tea, and it was like looking for female directors, and it came up, um, as in amongst the uh, the films. So uh, it sort of sat my watch my watch list, and I thought, oh, now we now is a good time to watch it. So uh, yeah, but I'm glad I did. Yeah, no, good. It's it's, it's an interest. It's it's a really good, it's a really good movie, um, and especially if you like something like World of Kanako, you'll bloody love this, so. which is true. <laughs> well done, you've proved my point. We we'll have to see when we obviously get onto episode seventy-five, and you know, do our next uh, fifty additions to the the list to see whether it makes it onto the big list or not. So, well, there's 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 news to me, everybody. <laughs> We do it every twenty-five episodes. We. I know. I've got to think of another twenty-five bloody films now. Another fifty or twenty-five. Twenty-five. Another twenty-five. Okay, no problem. Yes, it probably will be because actually, you know, like I say, I'd only half watched it for. I bought it at the time and it had just gone on the pile, and I hadn't really paid it attention. It was really good to finally watch it and and really enjoy it. Yeah, cool movie. Awesome. Well, that brings us to the end of tonight's episode. Thank you, as always, for listening. If you haven't done already, please do hit the like and subscribe button wherever you have to listen to us. Maybe leave us a review, as it all helps raise the profile of the show. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And uh, you can also check out our blog, which is asiancinemafilmclub.wordpress.com, where you can find our full archive episodes, as well as other fun pieces of writing as well. Um, but, Stephen, it is your turn to pick next. What are you going to go with? Okay, um, as always, I come into the recording of the show and I have an idea of what I'm going to do. And then I think, actually, no, I'm going to do something else instead. <laughs> but it's okay. Um, so Dante Lam. Dante Lam is a Hong Kong film director. Um, he's been going for years. He's been going, you know, um, we've already covered one of his films, in fact, haven't we? Twins Effect. Yes, we have. Um, yep. Uh, but you know he's been going since the 2000s, a little bit before. Um, but he had this real run of really fantastic fucking movies. Okay. Um, in the in the sort in the 2010s and so, um, mostly starring either Nicholas Day or um, oh, what's the other fella called? Uh, he's in this film, and I can't remember what he's called. Um, Nick Chung, that's right. Um, so these 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 action gritty action films and um, it all started with a film called Beast Stalker 
Um, or the Beast Stalker, if you look on the DVD, but I don't think it is. Um, so yeah, sort of, uh, sort of again, another, uh, what do they say? Love HK film, call it kinetic and tense. That's what I'm going to do from now on, just pick out three-word reviews. Hmm. <laughs> so two-word reviews. Um, yeah, so I'd, li- I'd, like, I'd like to have a look at sort of a, a more modern post um, John Woo action film set in Hong Kong with um, a couple of the of the newer faces, which I don't think we've really explored. Um, but but yeah, there's this, uh, the stall pigeon, the viral factor, and the demon within, as well as um, Unbeatable, which was slightly different. But yeah, just this, 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 this streak of fantastic action films. So yeah, like us to uh, have a look at The Beast Stalker. Fantastic. Which, so, which is the most which is the most Elwood film I've ever picked. Is it? Well, it seems like that. <laughs> so, so. Yeah, you've just picked a Stephen film, so I thought I'd pick an Elwood okay. film. <laughs> well, it's on Netflix, so that helps. So, excellent. Uh, but that's obviously coming up on our next episode. But uh, thank you so much for listening. Thanks to my co-host Stephen. Pleasure as always, sir. And we'll be back next time to talk about the Beast Stalker. Good night. Cool. This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com.